Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. By weather, what I mean is those daily cultural events, those daily events that we experience in real and vivid time. So think about police shootings. Think about the rise of Uber. Think about British populism. Think about refugee migration. These are the the real-time events that we experience in our lives. That's what I mean by the weather. But by the climate, I mean the powerful and often invisible intellectual and institutional forces that give rise to these weather events, often without our knowing. The weather event and the climate event. And that's how the natural world works. This is how the cultural world works as well. And we don't always see the difference. We need to see the difference. That was Greg Thompson, a longtime friend of Q. Hi, welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons for this week on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe, and maybe you're going, what? You're talking about weather and climate? Gabe, I guess in a sense we are. Can you tell us about today's talk? I'm really excited about the talk you're going to hear today. It was ranked one of our top talks at Q 2017, so a year ago. And at this particular conference, it was the opening talk that was setting the stage for three days of conversation about trying to understand where do we sit in this current context. As people who listen to this podcast, you know how much we care about understanding the times and knowing what to do and really taking account of the particular moment that we're living in and living through. And sometimes it's helpful to have guides who can come along and actually see from a much broader perspective, perhaps the moment that we sit in. And that's what Greg Thompson did for us at this particular event. He helped us better understand our context. Now, Gabe, before we listen to Greg, let's talk about something that's happening during the summer at QIdeas.org. It's our summer series. It's the perfect time to invite your friends, invite anybody you know on social media to come around one of our important topics that was raised at Q2018 just two months ago. There are three special Q&A sessions, or should we say there were, as the first one happened this past Thursday night. But what you did was you featured the Q2018 talk by Duke Kwan on racism and understanding what reparations might look like if the church were to take seriously not just the responsibility, but also the opportunity to repair the sins of the past. Obviously, at Q, this created a great deal of buzz and conversation as people were debating one another, questioning whether the church needs to do anything, whether our government should be involved, who is responsible for this, should people now in 2018 really be taking care of problems that happened 100, 200 years ago, how are we really benefiting if we're white, 
from some of the systems and the privilege that maybe has been created. It did cause a lot of serious discussion at Q2018, and then this past Thursday night, you on the Q Ideas website first released the talk to the public and then hosted an online interactive discussion with Duke Juan that viewers could participate in. Now, there are two more of these Q&A sessions still to come during the summer. In July, there'll be a Q&A about gender equality in the church, and then in August, a session on exorcism and the spiritual reality. If you'd like to find out more information about the remaining Q&A Summer Series, visit qideas.org slash summer series to learn more. Now, Gabe, let's get back to our talk today on Q Ideas. As we go into this next talk, just sit back and listen. You're going to hear a talk that was called Understanding Our Climate. And Greg's going to help break down for us the difference in weather and climate. And so this isn't a talk specifically about the environment but much more about our cultural environment, our cultural context, to try to piece together the chaos. I think many people feel the chaos of our times. They, they aren't always able to make sense of why certain things are happening or why is the world reacting this way or why are my kids doing this or why are we all seeming to be drawn to some of the same interest or distracted by the same technologies. And Greg helps break that down for us as a good communicator does. I think he takes something in this talk it's incredibly complicated, and he actually makes it simple. And so let's listen in to Dr. Greg Thompson, the Director of Research and Strategy at Claiborne Reborn, a historic civil rights site in Memphis, Tennessee, as he helps us listen and understand our climate. I so wish I could have seen uh, this moment, this moment that I want to describe to you. It's, it's from one of my favorite stories. It's about a man named John Muir. Some of you probably know John Muir. He was a late 19th, 20th century naturalist. He was Scottish and American. He was a naturalist. He was an essayist. He was a policymaker. He helped establish the National uh, Park Service with Teddy Roosevelt. He was from that, um, that generation of prodigiously bearded gentlemen who did things like uh, climb Mount Rainier in a three-piece suit. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the brother had style. Anyway, he published uh, this essay in 1894 called Windstorm in the Forest. Uh, and in it, he tells this moment that I wish I could have seen. So it begins with Muir and a cabin in the Sierras uh, when suddenly what he calls a windstorm comes on. And here's what he says about it. The day was intensely pure. One of those incomparable bits of California winter, warm and balmy and full of white sparkling sunshine redolent of all the purest influences of the spring, and at the same time enlivened by one of the most bracing windstorms conceivable. Okay, by bracing windstorm, what he means is hurricane. This is, uh, this is actually a hurricane that had begun to come inward, uh, and he is experiencing uh, this moment when the hurricane begins to turn this forest in the Sierras into this uh, chaotic place of riot. So naturally, here's what he does. Here are his words. When the storm began to sound, I lost no time in pushing out into the woods to enjoy it. I gained the summit of the highest ridge in the neighborhood, and then it occurred to me that it would be a fine thing to climb one of the trees to obtain a wider outlook. Of course. I want you to think about this. There's this man in this cabin. An inland hurricane comes. He moves out into that wildness. He climbs the tallest ridge he can find, and then spying the tallest Douglas fir that he can find, he climbs to the top, he hangs on uh, as the winds blow. 
Now, why in the world did he do that? Why did he leave his shelter? Why did he press out into that wildness? Why did he climb that ridge, climb that tree and hang on? Do you know why? Because he wanted to learn a new way of seeing. That's why. That's why he went there. I want to ask you why you came here. I believe it is because we want to learn to see. We want to learn to see uh, together. Because, listen, many of us in this room have a very strong vision of what we long for the world to be. And all of us bear very deep wounds uh, that we've experienced from the fact that the world is not what we long for it to be. And yet, many of us in this room, if not all of us, uh, maintain this irrepressible need, this sense of burden, both for yourselves and on the, for the sake of your neighbors, to press out into this world in hopes of healing the wounds and of closing the gap between what we long for and what we actually experience in our lives. I want you to remember up front that it is incredible grace to be among such people, and you should never forget it. But it's not always easy to see what it means for us to, to take up this burden of living in this, in this world and on behalf of the world. And that's why we're here, because we want to press out, we want to climb up, we want to hold on and together learn to see. I think that's why we're here. Now, over the past 15 years, uh, I've had the privilege of living and working in an incredible community called the Institute for Advanced Studies and Culture at the University of Virginia. Hashtag mouthful. Uh, and it is, a, it is a research institute led by a scholar uh, named James Davison Hunter, but it's filled with a roster of men and women uh, who are not only devoted to learning to see the shape of faithful human living in the midst of this age, uh, but are also very skilled at it. And of all the things that they have given to me over these years, one of the most important is a way of seeing this world that distinguishes between what we call the weather and the climate, between what we call the weather and the climate. Now, by weather, what I mean is those daily cultural events, those daily events that we experience in real and vivid time. So think about police shootings, think about the rise of Uber, think about British populism, think about refugee migration. These are the the real-time events that we experience in our lives. That's what I mean by the weather. But by the climate, I mean the powerful and often invisible intellectual and institutional forces that give rise to these weather events often without our knowing. Let me give you an illustration from the natural world. The weather event would be, there's less beach here than there used to be when my grandparents came. The climate event would be, that's because the glaciers are melting and the sea is rising. You know, see the difference? The weather event and the climate event. And that's how the natural world works. This is how the cultural world works as well. There are weather events and there are climate events. And we don't always see the difference. We need to see the difference and understand the distinction. And so it's very important that we try to learn to see in this way. So let's try now. I'm going to give you three examples. Here are some weather events. The first weather event is your stress over the filter that you should use on your Facebook profile picture. Here's another weather event. The guy at your college who went to the UK for the summer and spent the next two semesters speaking in a British accent. The third weather event is the rise of electronical enhancements of the human brain. It's not obvious the way these things are related. But each of these is a weather event and that they are significant in their own right, more or less so. But when you view them climatologically, their true significance emerges. And that is because they are all expressions of a more fundamental climate dimension that is essential to our cultural moment. And that is 
the destabilization of human identity. The destabilization of human identity. Listen, we live in a cultural moment in which the, the, the intellectual and relational and structural sources of human identity have been profoundly destabilized for all of us. And as a result, many of us and our neighbors actually spend our lives with the sense that we don't know who we are and with the sense that we have to try to fashion an identity for ourselves out of whatever materials we can find at our disposal. You know what this is like. Now, each of those weather events that I mentioned is actually an expression of this destabilization of human identity that is a part of the climate of late modern culture. And it's so important that we understand the distinction between these things so that we can respond faithfully to them. Here's why. I mean, if you try to respond to each of those weather events on their own terms, it's actually hard. I mean, I don't know. What is your theology of fake British accents? I don't don't have one. But human identity? What it means to embrace the highly stabilizing claim that human beings are made in the image of God and endowed with ineradicable dignity. Now that I can do. The weather and the climate. Here's another one. I'll give you a few more weather events here on this one. First, the rise of the Dutch nationalist political party. Second, inequitable mortgage lending practices that privilege white Americans. Third, generation-specific worship services. Okay. Not clear how Dutch nationalism and generation-specific worship services cohere, um, and it's, it, but they do. Here's why. Like, it, as weather events, each has its own distinct integrity and its own distinct meaning, but when you view them climatologically, it's their real significance emerges, and that is because they're reflections of another fundamental dimension of our age, and that is... The tribalization of human community. The tribalization of human community. Listen, we live in a culture in which the forces of population, of migration, of urbanization, are creating communities that are, on a general scale, more pluralized than any in the history of the West. And yet, because Western culture was predicated upon the dominance of white men. It has very few broadly embraced moral resources through which to negotiate the reality of pluralism. And so what happens instead? Well, tribalism happens. That's what happens. We begin to invent affinities and mythologies of our origins. We begin to draw boundaries around ourselves and one another. We begin to defeat our enemies. And that becomes the cultural logic of how we understand communities. Now, each of those weather events that I describe is actually an expression of a more fundamental tribalization that we're all experiencing. And it's so important that we see this and that we engage it on those terms because you might not have a ready-made response to Dutch political parties. But what about human community? What about the claim that God, who is one and yet three, calls us to dwell together with our differences in unifying love? What about that? Now, that I can do. Here's the last one, weather events. The presence of the Chinese military on the coast of Western Africa. The fact that even though I live in a small town in Virginia and I've never been to Europe, I can frequently go to a Franco-Belgian restaurant. Or the fact that American Christian celebrities can plausibly have their faces on billboards in Mumbai. Now again, as weather events, 
Each of these has its own significance, maybe. But when you view it climatologically, that's when you really see the significance. And that is because it's, it's a reflection of another fundamental feature of our age, and that is the globalization of human economies. The globalization of human economies. Look, we live in a culture in which the very long-standing forces of global trade and of political alliance have now been fused with technologies that have created the most powerful institution that the world has ever known. And do you know what it is? The global market. There is no more powerful institution in the history of the world than the global market. And as a result, everybody in this room is inexorably complicit in and subject to a powerful cultural logic that aims to commodify anything, any place, and any person. And each of these weather events that I described is a reflection of a more fundamental climatological reality about the globalization of the human economy. And it is so important that we understand this because you may have thoughts about the Chinese military presence. I certainly hope you have thoughts about Christian billboards in Mumbai. But if you don't, what you can see is that, all right, I don't understand Chinese military presence, but what about human economies? Embracing a vision of well-being as human beings? Embracing the work of generosity and embracing the call to equity? Now that, that we can do, right? So this is essentially what I'm trying to say to you. I believe that we're here in this room for lots of reasons. Uh, because we have a longing for what the world should be. Because we uh, have wounds because of what the world is not. And because we have a calling to give our lives to the work of drawing the longings that we have and the lives that we live more closely together, both for ourselves and for our neighbors. But one of the commitments that this will require of you and of me is the commitment to learn to see, to to like really see. And that will mean doing the work. Not simply to pontificate upon weather events, which we all can do. But to actually understand the climatological realities like the destabilization of human identity, like the tribalization of human communities, and, and, and the, the globalization of human economies, and, and there are many, many more that we could talk about, to try to understand those things. Because they not only give the weather events both their power and their meaning, if we do this, it will also, also give us the ability to respond maturely with wisdom and with love to the cultural realities that we experience. Look, this is the work. This is the work. For the days ahead, for the generations ahead, uh, to press onward, to climb upward, to hang on, and to look outward until together we learn to see. Thank you very much. I hope as you sat and listened to this, you appreciated not only the intellect of someone like Greg Thompson, but also just the, the way in which we can kind of look at the world and simplify some of the big movements, some of the big ideas that are driving so much of our cultural change and the way in which people are thinking today. You know, for each of us, it's pretty important to start to break down the way we're thinking. How are we actually affected by the weather? What is the climate that's actually influencing the way that we're operating, the way that we're affected by the world around us? And so... As we do at Q sometimes, we want to take that deeper look, but also expand way back and say, what is the 30,000 foot view? 
Because if we don't understand the times and know what to do, then we have very little to offer to the rest of the world. Thanks again for joining us this week. This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. And if you like what you've been hearing today from Greg Thompson, I would encourage you to go to qideas.org. Greg has been a longtime friend of Q. And in fact, one of the featured series of videos on our website talk about the six practices of the church. Gabe, can you tell us about that series? We created Q to help Christians know how to engage our cultural moment. And we're living through quite a moment right now where the church is really asking a lot of questions about What is its role in a society that no longer regards religion with a lot of respect? Maybe people just abandon religion in general. A new generation questions whether it has any relevance to their life, or maybe that it's a bigger part of the problem. And so many Christians are left knowing, how do we raise our children? How do we think about community? How do I think about my work? And and how do I live a public life? Does this need to be privatized, or can I engage well with my gifts and my talents and my concerns in the public square? And so with those questions at Q, we want to help you go on a journey with us to better understand what are the six ways the church has always shown up in any kind of culture, not just the one we're in today, but historically we've seen a pattern of faithfulness where the church responds to any cultural moment we find ourselves in. But many of us maybe have never heard this. Maybe we've forgotten it. Maybe even for pastors and church leaders, you need to take a moment to revisit our unique history. There's no one better to walk us through this than Dr. Greg Thompson. He's studied cultural change over the last decade. He understands history. He understands theology. And most important, he understands how ideas actually shape our public square and our public life. In addition to that, he's actually pastored and led a church and understands what it means for the church to show up in the moment. And Gabe, to help our listeners better understand what you're talking about, Let's listen to how Greg started the series on the six practices of the church. One of the most beautiful, uh, if burdensome, responsibilities in the Christian church in every single age is the responsibility to reimagine the faithfulness of its own presence. Now, I say that it's burdensome because it actually requires us to look honestly at ourselves, at the faithfulness of our lives with God uh, and our lives with our neighbors. And it also requires us to look honestly at this age, at, at the intellectual sources of our age and at the institutional structures of our age and all the individual experiences that we have. So it's, it's a burden to have consistently to reimagine our, our presence in this world. But it's also beautiful, and it's important that we know that. Because in understanding ourselves, we get to learn again what God has made of us and what he has yet to make of us. And in understanding our age, we get to learn again uh, what God has made of, of the world and what he has yet to make of the world. And when we see these things, the kind of gorgeous outlines of a reimagined Christian faithfulness begin to come into view. That was Greg Thompson from the series of Q Talks called The Six Practices of the Church. We've previously featured that series on the show, and if you'd like to hear all seven talks and maybe share them with friends at church, you can find them all at qideas.org. Just search for The Six Practices. Gabe, what are your final thoughts for this week? 
Thank you for following us and listening in on these kinds of conversations every day. I hope you feel like it's helping make you just a little bit smarter, helping you feel a little more informed, helping you even feel a little more rooted in what you believe and why you believe it. And please invite your friends to join us. Have them continue to listen to this. Let this be a conversation starter for deeper discussions around the table, whether it's the dinner table or the boardroom or wherever you're gathering friends and colleagues and those that you're partnering with in your community or your city. As we continue to grow Q, I want you to know there's continued opportunities every day for people to get involved with what's taking place here at Q. Our desire is to create opportunities and ways to empower you. You're the one on the front lines. You're the one in conversations with people in your industry, in your city, in your church. And we want to empower you to continue to lead and actually bring a lot more people along on this journey. You know, for each of us, we were introduced to the conversation about the role Christians can play in influencing our culture by someone. And maybe you're the one who's going to introduce others in your family, in your church, in your neighborhood, in your community, that Christians are the ones that ought to be leading the conversation on cultural renewal, not just following it. And so to have that sort of an imagination to paint pictures for people and illustrate for people what lies in front of us and the opportunities that if we could just act, if we'd roll up our sleeves and work together with those around us, we could actually make change happen. And so on the evening of October 25th, Thursday night, we are going to host Q Commons all over the world, but we want to make sure it's not happening all over the world, but missing out in your community. There are a lot of people listening right now that are probably looking for a leader to step up in their city and say, I'm willing to step forward. I'm willing to host this two-hour night that's similar to a town hall meeting where we're going to come together with tens of thousands of others all over the U.S. and around the world who are saying, I'm going to be part of the solution because I'm going to put people in the room together to listen to one another, to learn, to think about some of the most difficult topics and conversations and challenges our city faces, and then to engage it, but not just engage it alone or through just information, but through the new friendships and relationships and kind of overlapping network that begins to form when we create space for that. And so if that's something you feel called to, if that's something you could see yourself getting passionate about, and you want to be an ambassador for what Q is, but in your own city, in your own neighborhood, or in your church, Go to QCommons.com and read more about this opportunity. Over the next couple of months, we'll be making final selections for each location, for all of our cities. We would love to talk to you. We would love to see if this is a solution to something that maybe you're already feeling needs to be taking place in your city. So we'll look forward to talking with you about that. We hope there's more and more ways that we can continue to partner together in the days ahead. But until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.